Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. Hi. I'd like to tell you my story. I'm not a famous man, nor have I actually ever desired to be. I was just simply allowed to play a small part in a happening a long, long time ago. As I said, I'm just an ordinary man. Even my name, Simeon, such a common name for a boy in my culture, But Simeon, the word means hearkening, to listen carefully, to watch attentively, just paying attention to little details, little promptings. And it's perhaps why my name is fitting for Maybe that helped me in just playing my small part. I was known as a just and even righteous man, devout, in that I kept up with all of my religious duties. But mostly, it was that I loved to reverence God, and I loved to reference God and his ways that my friends knew me as, excuse me, virtuous or righteous to be an upright man was actually very unimportant to me. There was really only one that I knew to be righteous. And it was he who was the central figure of the story that I would like to relate to you today. You see, throughout all of the history of Israel, we waited and we longed for the Messiah. But unfortunately, the most intense longing for the Messiah seemed always to coincide with the times when my people, Israel, had sinned against God and even brought his wrath against us. It was overwhelming to see our shortcomings in comparison to a holy and righteous God. I mean, how could he ever accept us into his presence with all of our sin and our self-serving ways? Turning to other gods even, non-living gods, 
idols. It's in those times that Israel called the greatest for the Messiah to come to help solve their problems. Well, such was the situation in the time when I lived. I don't know about you. Maybe you can relate to this in your times. Is sin rampant in your nation? Or maybe even in your personal life? It's sometimes through our own personal struggles of sickness, of loneliness, despair, broken relationships, unrepentant sin, reoccurring sin, that life can just seem too hard, too hopeless, just too much. And it's in these times that we don't want to reverence God and we don't want to reference God and his ways. We start to take things into our own hands. When problems enter our lives, we pray, and then sometimes it seems like nothing's happening or it's not happening fast enough. And our natural instinct is just to pull away from our creator. We quit waiting on him. We quit reverencing him. We quit referencing his ways. And ultimately, we just quit obeying him. And if our personal problems aren't enough, well, then you just begin to look at all the people around you and the struggles in your entire nation, maybe, like I was doing with my Israel. And it's altogether too much. It's too much poverty, too much greed, too much pride, too much doing what's right in your own eyes, too much pursuit of riches, too little thought of others' interests, too much self-interest, too much fill my cup up first, And it's just a too much world. But maybe your times aren't like that. This was the situation that Israel found themselves in once again. So all Israel was waiting and praying for a Messiah, waiting and praying for the comfort and the solace that his coming might bring. I too waited and prayed. But where most in Israel waited and prayed in desperation, I waited and prayed in expectation. Expectation for the fulfillment of God's promises made to me, Simeon. The Holy Spirit had revealed to me Sometime before I would die, that I would see the Messiah, God's anointed Son, the Lord's 
Christ. Now, that being promised from God, I saw no reason to doubt its validity. It was, un, it was not unusual for the Holy Spirit to be with men and women of my generation. The pity was that the Holy Spirit seemed to be an infrequent visitor in their lives, not an ongoing inhabitant. So, it was that one morning when I went for a walk and I was praying and talking to God, listening for his promptings, that I sensed that the Holy Spirit prompted in me to go to the temple. And I felt that same anticipation, that special feeling that I sensed when God told me that I would see this, the Messiah before I died. And as I entered the temple, I noticed my friend, Anna. Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, the eighth son of Jacob. And as always, Anna was in prayer. Now, where I was ordinary and pretty common, Anna was very special. She was a prophetess. Now, remember, Israel had been given no prophet for several hundred years. Therefore, the prophetess Anna was very significant. Anna was very old in years and very respected for her devotion to God. She worshipped continuously in the temple, but as she worshipped, sorry, she served all those who came to the temple. A prophetess serving God as would a menial servant. Anna fasted, but not as many of the people of Israel fasted. She fasted not in public, but private. Her prayers were like those of childlike devotion, an open heart's conversation with Yahweh. Anna was my friend, a friend who shared my expectation of the immediacy of the coming of the Messiah. But not, enough of me just telling you about the story. Let me show you what it was like that day in the temple. Ah, Simeon, could today be the day? The day? Oh, the day of his coming. Oh. Only God knows that, Anna. I, I don't know, Anna. You know that I've waited a long time for that promise to come true that God gave me long, long ago. And you've been waiting even longer than I have. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm still full of faith in regards to what I sense that God spoke to me. But I'm not going to lie, my flesh gets weak in the waiting. 
I sometimes, even in my weakness, the question arises of like, why wait? Why keep doing this? But my answer always come, seems to come back to a, a humble and honest look at myself, our people in Israel, and to be honest, even the world. We truly are sheep without a shepherd. We, I, I feel like we're just fumbling around in the world, doing what's best in our own eyes, but look where it's led us. Like, I feel lost. I mean, human wisdom is limited, and it's so focused on selfish desires so often. When I look around, I see our people, like, we need someone to save us from ourselves. Humanity would implode without a Lord and a great shepherd that we could trust, who could rule and reign over us, and we could submit to. But you seem to have waited really well. You've waited long, and you've waited very patiently. Oh, I haven't always been patient, Simon. I, too, have struggled to wait. But you know, in all the years that I have waited for the Messiah... I have learned that there's also purpose in the waiting because God has big plans for us in the waiting. Sometimes we don't um, get an answer right away and so we want to take things into our own hands. Remember Abraham? How he, he had the, uh, the promise from God that he would give him a son. But then he went and slept with his, Sarah's handmaiden because, uh, you know, he couldn't wait and he, he struggled to trust that God would be, uh, would fulfill his promise to him. Yeah. What a lot of sorrow and pain he could have saved himself and his family if he had just waited for God's timing. So true. There is so much to learn as we wait, as much as we don't like it. But really, what I've realized is waiting on God is kind of our only reasonable response if he's the creator and we're his creation. I mean, by nature, if he is Lord, then we are designed to let him lead and we're to follow his lead. It doesn't seem to make any sense to take any other posture before him if he is Lord. After all, he is self-sufficient, and we are the broken ones in need of a Messiah. Perhaps God doesn't act as quickly as we might want him to or as we think he should, because he wants to test our hearts. Hmm. Or maybe God is wanting to change the desire of hearts to line up with his. Hmm. Waiting asks, uh, causes us to ask ourselves if we really trust him and if we're willing to wait for his timing. But Yahweh, ah, he is a good and loving Heavenly Father. If only our people could also see that his law and his ways have loving and logical limits. Because he knows what is best for us. 
He knows that the way of our world will lead to our destruction. He knows that his ways lead us to life, and they protect us. His ways lead us to relationship and dependence on him. Yes. He's so good. It's as the prophet Isaiah said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And it's in relationship with him that we are sustained and renewed and led. Ah, he is a good, good and loving Heavenly Father. He is holy and truly our only hope uh, to be saved from our unholy selves. So wise. I'm always amazed at your wisdom. I, I think relationship with God in the waiting is what makes waiting beautiful. Mm-hmm. Even though it's hard, if I can talk with him and listen to him, it is a beautiful journey. And some people may think that in the waiting you do not much of anything. But I actually think that waiting can be active. I mean, I wait on God as I read and I think deeply upon the scriptures. I learn of his character and his ways. And in moments of quiet reflection, just listening for Holy Spirit to speak, I wait on him in everyday circumstances as things come up. And I need his leading during my own despair and revelation of sin, but also our nation's despair. So I spend many moments a day actually pouring out my heart to him and listening to him actively. Yes. But you know, we can't come to God with our own expectations of how he should answer our prayers or when or how he should respond to the problems in our lives or for our nation. He is God. We aren't. Yeah. He sees what's happening to our nation, Simeon. He will pu- fulfill his promises. Most importantly, the promise of a Messiah. But it may not be as we expected. Well, how so? Well, you know, there have been so many who have claimed to be the Messiah. Strong and mighty men, uh, great warriors, and more than a few fools. (laughs) All have promised to be the Messiah. But all soon show their true motivation. The self-preservation and enhancement of their selves. And unfortunately, the exploitation of our nation. And all they left behind was despair and defeat, um, dejection, and of course, dashed hopes. Hmm. I find that it's almost as though our people crave too much, dream too passionately, sense too intensely the need for a Messiah. And perhaps that's it. Perhaps it's the unrelenting wanting that fuels our intense need for the immediacy of his coming. Yeah, for thousands of years now, his coming has been foretold 
and generation after generation looked with renewed hope to each new military leader, only to find themselves more disillusioned and disheartened. So why do we keep looking for a conquering hero? God's word says in Isaiah, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, a baby, and they shall call his name Jesus. So come as a child, a baby. Why not? Couldn't the sovereign God just as well bring about his kingdom on earth through a a baby as through uh, the strength of a champion? I, I guess it could be true. And in a way, so fitting for Yahweh. (laughs) Hmm. But once again, we wait. All the things we're talking about are true. But I just long for the day to see his face, to see the Savior. However, in the longing, it is good to wait with him. And it's also really good to wait with you, Anna.
I'm Kian. Simeon. Simeon. Look at that couple over there. The ones presenting their little one at the temple. Could it be that little one? Mm -hmm. There doesn't seem to be too much special about that couple, Anna. I mean, they even look Nazarene just by their dress. I mean... Would the Messiah come to such an ordinary couple? Remember, Simeon, you and I are very ordinary people as well. The Messiah, uh, Yahweh came to us. Yeah. Ah, this couple, they intrigue me. The young girl in her early teens. The young man, barely 20, I would think. Look, Simeon, see the baby's face. C could it be? Oh, I want it to be. Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us, 
Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Well, that was Simeon and Anna's uh, story of waiting. And we too are still waiting, right? Waiting for the second return of Jesus. I think that the condition of their world, and certainly the condition of humanity then, is not so different from what we experience today. But you know, our waiting also has purpose. And we are not just waiting for Jesus to come back again, and this time as the conquering hero, but we wait with purpose. And we wait, um, we allow him to be our savior, not just for one day, but for each day, to heal the brokenness in our lives, to free us from the bondage of sin that grips us, to give us direction for our life. And so we wait, and we wait with purpose, and in waiting with purpose, we find our hope in Jesus Christ. Thank you. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.